Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, and we read in verse 1, starting in verse 1, Therefore, If there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others." Here's that message again that we spent uh, a couple weeks on uh, just, just back in Ephesians. You remember the whole thing about, uh, everybody hears the word submission, and many people think, oh yeah, that's where the Bible says women have to submit to men. And we've talked about that's not what it says. It says wives submit to your husbands. And that's still hard. That's a hard pill for some people to swallow. But we, as we go through Ephesians, we see that the message there is a message of mutual submission. If everybody treats everybody like we're supposed to, then one, then God's order isn't burdensome. Wives will find it easy to submit to a husband who loves her like Christ loves the church, right? And gave himself up for her. Uh, And Jesus modeled this principle that we we just read here in Philippians chapter 2. He modeled it most dramatically, as you remember, when he washed the feet of his disciples. This was right before he was crucified. And he knew what was coming. He knew. That this was right around the corner, and he made a point of getting down on his knees and washing his disciples' feet. And sometimes we use our hardship, uh, or sometimes even just our busyness, as an excuse to act in selfish ways. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna uh, take advantage of this uh, opportunity to minister to somebody else because. Uh, Right now, it's all about me. It's just been too tough a day. I've got too much pressure. And here's Jesus getting ready to go to the cross, modeling this kind of selflessness. The word really just doesn't give us that option, does it? And as if that isn't challenging enough, we read on in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, when we start with let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you remember back in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, there was a section about understanding spiritual things and understanding things spiritually, having spiritual understanding of things. So that we have 
talking about how we have inside knowledge that the world doesn't have, that unregenerate mankind doesn't have, so that we can and should perceive things differently. It's a pretty rich passage if you want to go back and read it sometime, because I don't have time to break it down again this morning. But he ends it with these words, we have the mind of Christ. And in that case, he's talking about discernment, heavenly wisdom, grasping the reality of God's love and his gifts uh, to us. It's about thinking spiritually as, a, as opposed to a thinking carnally. This passage in Philippians touches on that for sure, but mainly it is an ap- ampli- uh, amplification of what we just read in the previous four verses about this mutual submission and um, selflessness. When Paul's talking about the mind of Christ here, he's talking about a mindset. And that's a distinction that's important enough to maybe scribble that in the margin of your Bible there. Let this mindset be in you. Because this idea that used to be a pretty pervasive one, and I'm not totally against it as long as we understand what it really means, but this idea that, hey, we're king's kids. There's even a line in a Steve Taylor song where uh, talking about the... uh, Maybe it's kind of a weird, uh, weird song that, that talks about some of the excesses and, and focusing on comfort uh, among the Christian community. And there's a line in there that says, we're king's kids, dang it, and we used to know what a housekeeper was for. And uh, meaning we're, there's certain things we're just not going to do because we're king's kids. And now king's kids, I'll tell you, we'll, we'll get around to talking about what that means uh, And we absolutely should remember whose kids we are. We should absolutely remember the privileges we have and the rights we have, especially when we're engaging in spiritual warfare. We are king's kids. And we are, and because all these demonic powers are under Christ Jesus' feet, they are under our feet. Amen? We can't forget that. But it doesn't mean that when we... uh, when we're out among our brothers and sisters or even among the world, that we walk uh, and live imperiously. How are we supposed to live and walk? Let this mindset, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, I have heard, and, uh, and it's really, this is a tough thing to hear, uh, and, and some of you have probably heard it too, and this is the real danger of picking one verse and building a doctrine on it. When it says, uh, or, or one passage, or two verses, where it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. There are some who have literally taken that and say, you see, Jesus didn't think it was robbery to be equal with God. And Paul's saying, let that mind also be in you. You should consider yourself equal with God. Has anybody heard this besides me? Yeah, I'm seeing some heads now. That's a scary doctrine. You are not God. You are not equal to God. God will always be God. And no matter, even yes, you are in Christ. And we are the body of Christ. But when it says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that's you and me too. You can't take that too far. You are not God. You are God's children. You are God's family. And you have immense authority and privilege as a result of that. When he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Number one, the different translations uh, put it this way, where it almost looks like something opposite. Who did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. Well, 
on the surface, that looks like Jesus is saying, oh, no, I'm not going to uh, consider grasping equality with God. That's not what it's saying either. It means Jesus did not consider uh, equality with God something that he had to grab and, and, and rob. He didn't have to get it. He knew who he was. Jesus Christ knew he was the son of God. Jesus Christ knew he is God the son. He did not consider it robbery to be called equal with God. But even though he knew who he was, this is the mind that's supposed to be in you. That even though he, he, he knew that, let me back up here for a second because I, I, I forgot this story. When we're talking about this mindset, uh, I, I sat down for lunch uh, years ago with a, with a minister who had just returned from a, uh, I don't know, number of meetings on the, on the road. And he had, the last church he'd been at, uh, I can't remember where it was. I remember what state it was in. But anyway, he, came, he sat down with, uh, next to me at this table and somebody asked him, how was your trip? And he said, well, it was a good trip. It was a long trip, but that last church was really good. And I'll tell you why. They know how to treat a man of God. I thought, oh, wow. And something about it just still when I think about him saying that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. It wasn't just, hey, they received the word with gladness. Uh, it was, I'm a man of God, and there's nothing wrong with knowing you're a man of God or a woman of God. But me, he, what he was referring to is they treated him very regally and uh, they, they pampered him. And, and I believe in doing that. I believe in treating our visiting ministers well as a way of honoring them, as a way of giving them a break from the rigors of travel. But I, uh, I have encountered that a time or two where, where the traveling minister says, this is what you will have for me when I come. It need, and I've seen lists, multiple pages of stuff. This is how you need to treat me when I come to your church. And meanwhile, you get. A, 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 I always like to contrast that with a with a speaker like Keith Moore, who's a very high profile, in demand uh, teacher. Who, uh, when he comes, he's like, just tell me when to be there makes his own arrangements, makes absolutely no demands, gives everything away, comes in and blesses, 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 sows, 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 and leaves. Uh, and then you look at some other guy and think, and you want this? You know, it's kind of like, uh, you think of the old rock bands, that like, you know, we need to have a bowl of M&Ms with all the green ones removed and all these crazy demands. And I know there were some legitimate reasons for some of that. Did you ever hear about that? I mean, you ever hear why that was a legitimate thing? They would put these things in the contract just to make sure the promoters were reading the fine print. So it's kind of, some of it was just craziness, though. We can do this. We're going to do this just because we can. So anyway, this mindset, Jesus has this, uh, here's how the God man, the king's kid, manifested this mindset. Begin, look back there at verse 7. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's how Jesus exhibited the mindset that Paul is telling us to have. We can't stop with, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It's in Christ, Christ, who thought it not robbery, robbery to be equal with God. He did it. 
So you better believe you will do it too. Again, he knew exactly who he was. He at no time was he an unwilling victim to anything or anyone. Do you remember the song, He Could Have Called 10,000 Angels? Anybody remember that song? He could have called. Talking about when Jesus was on the cross. At any time, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. Um, that's actually based on a quote by Jesus who, this was at his, during his arrest in the garden. Do you remember this? They came and they started to take him away and Peter pulled his sword out. He's ready to fight. He said, Peter, put your sword away. Do you not think, he says, Do you, don't you know that if I called on my father, he would send more than 12 legions of angels? Do you know how many were in a legion in the Roman army? Up to 6,000. And it's just not as catchy musically, I guess, to say, he could have called over 72,000 angels. (laughs) But he could have. Why? Why could he have done that? Because he knew who he was. He knew he was God the Son. He's like, Peter, this is really what I'm here for. There's no sense you pulling out a sword. If if it wasn't my father's plan, and if I weren't obedient to the father, I could call all these angels. I'd just call my father, and he'd he'd have six legions of angels here, uh, or 12 legions of angels, to get me out of this mess. But I don't want out, so put your sword away. He displayed his mindset by being perfectly obedient to the will of the Father. Utterly, utterly submitted. How far did he go? To death. Not just that, but death on a cross. That's the, but, but what was the ultimate result of ultimate submission? Ultimate exaltation. Because that's when we read on. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. You know, James and Peter both write, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Don't have time for it this morning, but proud and humble actually perfectly correlate, uh, uh, relate to uh, obedient, uh, disobedient and obedient. Or... Uh, uh, submissive or rebellious. If you are submissive, you are humble. If you are proud, you are rebellious. If you are submissive, you are obedient. And so Peter then continues, and this is in 1 Peter 5, 6. He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. What did Jesus do? He humbled himself. This is God the Son humbling himself to not just becoming a man, which was enough, uh, enough of a, you know, it was certainly condescending enough, but not just that, but the form of a bond servant. The God of the universe, who spoke the universe into existence, comes and takes the form of a servant, and what? Submits and obeys to the point of death on the cross. What happened as a result? He is highly exalted. How highly? He's been given the name above every name. And what's the message to us? You submit. To who? You submit to God and you submit to one another. Really to one another? Jesus submitted to one another. Jesus got down and washed the disciples' feet. He submitted to Pilate. He could have at any time had Pilate destroyed, but he didn't. He submitted 
uh, to mankind to the point where they executed him. Even, yes, it was God's plan, but he had to submit to man to make that happen. And so, and we're saying we can't say, oh, I'll submit to God, but I ain't submitting to you. You need to. You need to consider one another and one another's desires and pursue that. What can I do to be a blessing to you? As long as it is within your power to do good, you must do good to one another. And what happens as a result of that? He will exalt you. He will exalt you. He's not going to give you the name that's above every name. But he will lift you up. You will experience exaltation. He will exalt you to a place of authority, a place of usefulness. And ultimately what this is going to mean is ruling and reigning with Christ one of these days. Ultimately, this exaltation is going to be manifested in us ruling and reigning with Christ. We are right now, spiritually speaking, seated with him in heavenly places. And that means uh, that we do have authority. All right? Living like a king's kid, having the mind of Christ, does not mean acting imperiously among our fellow man. It means we, walked, we walk confidently in our humility. Remembering that we do have authority and we exercise it as Jesus did. How did Jesus exercise his authority? In the message and spreading of the gospel. That includes taking authority over sickness, disease, demons, right? Because the good news is that these things have been defeated at the cross. And we, so we're going to experience a, a degree of exaltation and blessing, and certainly we should contend for every promise of God that's made to us because those are for right now. But never get your eyes off the prize. Our real reward is in heaven. That's where our ultimate exaltation is going to take place. Stand up. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.